into your spirit is a river of living water flowing out of you, right? Also your spirit and the Holy Spirit in you is a fountain of water flowing up from within you. So I'm going to ask a question I asked us a, a few years ago. I don't think the last time I asked it, we were, I don't think we were in this building. But if you're a river of living water mm. and you are a fountain <clears throat> of water bubbling up, how can you have a dry time? Have you ever thought about that before? Right? Have you ever, I know, I know we come from different places and sometimes you hear people say, oh, I'm going through a dry place spiritually. Anybody ever, may ever felt that way before? Anybody ever said, well, here's the real reality, guys, and this is, this is the, the brain, the brain buster in some regards, but it's the brain, but if you're the river of living water and you're the fountain of life flowing up out of you by the Holy Spirit, you're the river in the desert. You, your spirit is never dry. Now, I agree, our soul may have a dry time. But like we said at the end of last week, but the river of life is flowing from us. The dam of my soul may be blocking up the river of life from expressing itself in my soul. But that doesn't mean there's not more than enough water present. Does that make sense? And I really want us to shift our thinking on that on one way as, a, as an identifier is that you are a source of life. You are a source of the river of life of heaven. That's you. Because you are connected with Jesus, you are a source of life. So again, let's ask, John said, as he is, so are we. So are we. In this world. So how dry of a time is Jesus having? No. No. Right? And is Jesus up there going, you know, you know, Father, it's just, whew. It's a tough one today. Mm-hmm. Go on now, guys. I just need to feel you. I just need to feel you, Father. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, is Jesus up there going, you know, I'm just, whew, I don't know. I mean, it's just, man, it's. And I, and I feel, you know. And the reason why I say that is, is, is we got to be careful. Now, please hear me. I, I know all of us have had times myself included, where we have felt that way. We have felt dry, quote-unquote. We have felt, again, Lord, if I could just feel your touch one more time. We have felt, quote-unquote, disconnected. We have felt whatever we felt. You just need to remember that's your soul. That is not your spirit. Right. So I want you to know that when, we, when you go through that, I want you to have that going, oh, oh, this is just my soul this is not my spirit. That's very good. And it's powerful because that's because because again, if I think it's my spirit, then there's no hope. Then there's no then I'm <laughs> then I'm in trouble because I gotta. I mean, we don't ever say it this way, so I know this is a bit extreme, and I don't mean to say this in any way to hurt anybody's feelings. But if that was true, then I'd have to go get saved all over again. Yeah. And every time I felt disconnected, I'd have to go get reborn again, 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 again. right? And again, and again, and I'd have to go, right? So when I understand, oh, wait a minute, no, my spirit, the real me is a source of the life of God because 
It's connected to the life of God. So part of our imagination, I want you to kind of begin to think on about yourself is just what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you remember, I am the vine and... You are the branches. You are the branch, right? Mm -hmm. So so tell me, we all have seen trees. Mm -hmm. We all have seen something. So if... If Jesus is the vine and I am the branch, what's flowing through me? Water. Whatever's flowing life. through the vine, life. life. But whatever, and I agree, I don't disagree with that, but whatever is flowing through the vine must be throw, flowing through me because I'm the branch. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And we've all seen that, right? So there's no so if, if so again so is Jesus having bummer days, <laughs> right? Is Jesus feeling the feels? No, I mean, it, does that make sense? Is, is is Jesus all tormented of of soul and he's just up there in anguish and I don't know what I'm going to do or I mean we can go in any kind of place, right? Any kind of direction is you know is Jesus feeling fat and ugly? I mean, is Jesus feeling... I mean, are you with me? Yeah. Because yes. yeah. again, if it's flowing through the vine, then it's flowing through me. And I want us to imagine that in our imaginings. Part of our imagination is, is okay, just I am the branch. I am connected up in the vine. So whatever is flowing through Jesus, that's what is actually flowing through me. Does that make sense? And that's the real reality. So if I'm not experiencing that, right, if I'm not experiencing that in my life, that doesn't mean that I'm not necessarily saved. It just may mean that my soul is, the way my soul believes, is damming up the life of God that's trying to flow through me. Mm, it's detached. Yeah, well, it's, it's detached, but I think what is, in my mind, I hear it, but it's this... Because we've been talking, and to kind of catch mom up and others, you know, we've been talking about, and I'm going to look at some verses here, that um, we understand that we're a three-part being. We're a, we're a spirit being. We have what the Bible calls a soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, and we live in a, in a, in a body. But we've also been talking about that part of our soul is what we call our belief system, our core belief system. And we looked at that our core belief system now scientifically, biologically, whatever you want to call it, is housed in these two parts. It's housed in the superconscious portion of our brain, and it's housed in what they call the heart brain. Physically here is where our core belief system resides, and it's our core belief system that is the literal connecting point between spirit and soul. Does that, I want you to paint that picture in your mind, right? That, that the connection point, if there was like, again, if, I don't know, whatever in your brain works, garden hose, again, internet cable, I mean, whatever makes sense to your imagination, I want you to imagine that, that there's a connecting point between that Jesus field, spirit field, life of God field, you, that we've been, we're talking about, that it's a constant flow of the life of God. The connector between that and the, and the part of you that is called your soul, your, your mind, your will, your emotions, your attitudes, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, that's your core belief system. 
right? And that's what's housed back here. Yeah. And connected. Does that make sense? Now, I'm going to stop now moving forward at the end of each time, so help me remember to stop with enough time to take questions, okay? You're listening this time? I'm listening this time. So I'm, I'm, going, to do, I'm going to be a good boy this time. <laughs> and so, um, but also what... Kevin. <laughs> but also... Um, what, uh, what I want us to do is moving forward, we're going to take this real nice and slow over the coming weeks because this is something that doesn't need to be hurried at all. Does that make sense? So get ready to ask any questions you have. But let's go to um, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Is this helping anybody so far? Is this oh, man. Mm-hmm. He just answered a question. Good. I've been good, good, good. And remember that belief system, the reason why we, we know that it's in that super conscious part of your brain is God lovingly put it there to act automatically, just like your heart beating or just like breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't you, again, we've said it, and you'll hear me say it, aren't you glad God loved us enough that I don't have to remember to make my heart beat? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The things that are vital, the things that keep us alive, he lovingly put in a part of our brain that just work all the time, 24 mm-hmm. 7, whether we think about it or not, it's working. He did that with your belief system. That's why Jesus said what he said in Mark 11 when he said, Whatever you believe and say will happen. You remember that with the fig tree, right? The, 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 the emphasis on that verse wasn't the saying. The emphasis on that verse was, is do you believe it? Yeah. Does that make sense? Because you notice, like, again, and look at that little story about Jesus. Jesus walks up on this tree. Jesus didn't call a prayer meeting when he wanted to curse the tree, right? He didn't spend hours... Okay, I better pray myself up for what I'm about to do. Because, I mean, again, how many of you, you remember the story? Jesus sees this tree, and apparently it was a lion fig tree. And he just said, no man eat fruit from you ever again forever. He just said, and he just moves on. Like, and then later, remember, they come back, and the disciples are like, oh, my gosh. It's dead from the roots. Right? Well, see, how many of you think killing the fig tree by talking to it once is fairly astounding? Like for us, would we say that's fairly like? Yeah. Whoa. Like I mean, again, if we were all, if we were good faith ministers, that would go on the cover of the next partner letter, right? You know, that would be quick. Selena, take a picture. We cursed the fig tree and it worked, and we're going to put that on the partner letter because that's going to look really good on the partner letter because wow, this stuff works, right? Yeah. Well, Jesus, but notice Jesus. Do you see the automatic nature of how he spoke to that? He walked up on something. He goes, oh, nobody eat fruit from me. It was just automatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this, mm, I'm going to believe. Mm-mm. See, and that's what's tripped up so many believers is the believe. Mm. Because when we really believe, it's automatic. Yeah. And I can, there's a, what I actually believe is automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> does, does that make sense? What I actually believe works just like Jesus in the fig tree. Which is in your core 
which is in your core belief system. Right. So what? That's exactly right. Which is what we're working on renewing where it's not in line with truth. Right? That core belief system. But I just want you to see this, that ease again, that Jesus, again, Jesus walked up and, and for whatever reason, again, I, I can't personally say, now this is, there might be other ministers who can better job. I can't personally say I understand why Jesus cursed it. Right? Other than he just cursed it. it. It was supposed to do something it wasn't doing. It was deception. It was deception. Yeah, I've heard deception. I've heard all, I mean, I've heard every flavor of explanation under the sun as to, to the why. But all I want to focus on is, is, is well, Jesus was hungry and he, he left hungry and Jesus just walked. But Jesus just had this belief in him. If I tell it, it, it doesn't do that anymore. It just doesn't do that anymore. So what? He knew it would never bear fruit. Well, he might have. I mean, he was still a man. I don't know. I mean, I, even mine is more. But I just, for our sake, as you revisit that story, is that ease with which Jesus did that. That there was an ease in that believing, mm-hmm. because he was believing from here, whereas so many of us today we're trying to believe from here, mm-hmm. but we don't believe here. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. He said what he heard his father say. Well, he did. He said what he heard his father say, right? And he, but, but I just that thing is, is that's the nature of believing, right? I mean, again, I jokingly tell the story. There was a lady we went. Remember Janet Estes, and she had this. She was known for it. She had had this belief that she could curse vermin, and so she was known for it. Mm-hmm. So like. Like rats and squirrels and uh, stray cats would come on her property, and she'd go, "I curse you in Jesus' name!" And every time they'd die, like, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I mean, they were dead. She just cursed, and and so, and so people got to know her around the ministry. And so if they had something come in her yard, they, "Hey, Janet, I need you. <laughs> did you come talk to my possum? Because yeah. he's in the trash again." <laughs> And so she go out and curse stuff and it dies. So anyway, it's crazy. But anyway, but look at this. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles or the unbelievers walk. Now notice the next phrase, in the futility of their mind. What verse? Verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So do you see this difference as we're talking about this? What makes an unbeliever an unbeliever is that they don't believe from here. Their, their heart is blinded. Does that make sense? Their belief system is blinded. Right? Their understanding that is, is uh, what do they say? Their understanding is darkened. And that causes a futility in their mind. You see how I'm touching it? For those here, you know, I'm touching different parts of my body to kind of make it make sense to me. Right? Not that the, the necessarily a bad thing. They just haven't been taught. Well, some of it they haven't been taught. Some of it, in this kind of case, some of it is that 
unwillingness to believe. So here, so here's a good point, Caroline. Let me jump ahead just for the sake of the night. There's no desire to believe. There's no desire in the unbeliever to want to believe truth. They prefer and desire to believe the lie. Does that make sense? So I want to sit there and say that. So part of this, what does it look like to renew our mind is do I have a desire to fully believe? Am I willing to fully believe what he says completely from his word? Even if that belief challenges what I've always known Mm -hmm. or thought I knew. If it challenges all of my traditions, if it challenges, and whether those are religious traditions, family traditions, cultural traditions, right? Because again, if we talk about this to a degree, I know here he's specifically talking about the Gentiles, but really the most hard-hearted, now now think about that word again, Mm -hmm. hard-hearted, hard-believing people, People who would not let their heart be rewired. That's hard-heartedness. Were who? The The Pharisees, the religious. That Jesus said, you love your tradition more than you love truth. Or we could say it like this, you desire to live your tradition more than you desire to live truth. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So some of this, as we talk about this journey and looking at stuff, is is going to be a constantly a do I desire to believe? Do I have a desire to believe what God says about me? And again, I want to be real clear. I know um, it seems to be easier to believe on behalf of another. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It seems to be, well, I can believe God really wants to be good to Selena. Right? Or mom, or Miss Eloise, or Kevin, or Mary. I, I can look and because I know God and his love is so good. He's so, good. He's He's so, so merciful. Good. He's so this. He's so amazing. And man, I just know what good things he has in store for you. But sometimes it really is, but I don't believe that about me. Mm-hmm. Now, I need, yes, I need to believe it about you too, but I also need to believe it about me. Me, yeah. Because that goes back to what you were saying the first time we talked on Thursday about something in your past or your memory, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's not religious. Like say, say my yeah. brother always downed me all the time, mm-hmm. and so now that believes me about me. But then I have a hard time trusting what I've learned in the Bible because. I have that core belief system. That's exactly that right. So are you willing then, Kurt, to believe everything God says about yeah. you, even if you've never heard it before? Yeah. You've never heard anyone speak that way about you before. You've never heard no, anyone no one say... validate that for you. Yeah, no one's ever... Not that nobody said it about me. It's just that, that core belief system at such a young age from my brother... Yeah. Mm-hmm kind of kicks out what other people have said yes 
throughout my life because it's the core. Yeah. So what we're rewiring with this then, Kurt, is just what you're saying is that I'm going to believe God more than my brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disconnect, mm-hmm. unplug that belief and say, okay, whatever. And even on this, I mean, there might be some validity of going back and going, well, why did my brother say that? Or why would this happen? Sure, if the Lord leads you and shows you, go with it. But on the front end, if I can just identify, oh, my brother put a lying belief in me. That rises up against. That that rises up against the knowledge of God about me. Mm -hmm. Then I'm just going to go, that's a lying belief because God said this thing about me. Does that make sense? Right. And so I really want us to use that term, what we're if you will, what we're asking the Lord to lead us, and if I can dare say, through our whole life journey. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and please don't be in a hurry. No. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, again, this is not something you've got to have it all done by like next Tuesday. Right. You know, again, I'm almost 50 years old, and I got here in 50 years. Right. It take a little bit. You know, it might take a minute. Right now. I think it doesn't have to take 50 years. No. So please Amen. don't hear it's not like an equation. Okay, well, I got a, mm-hmm. I got 50 bad over here. I got to do 50 good over on this side, right? I think we can. It can be faster than I got here, right? And that will be dependent. I'm oh, sorry. And that will be dependent on <laughs> the degree with which I desire yes. to know the truth. Yes. The, the, the degree at which I desire, Lord, you lead me into this, and I'm ready to go. Can I say something? Sure. Because I know you guys, I've shared my journey with you guys really openly since like January or February. But part of this whole journey is pride, is setting down our pride. And, and pride is not this whole, well, I'm no narcissist. Like, I've seen people like that. You know, I've lived with people like that. That's not me. That's not what I'm talking That's not at all. And that's the, the fallacy I had. And so when I started actually looking at, okay, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about what I have to hang on to or let go or whatever. It literally is not about me. I can let go of anything. I can choose to receive anything. I can choose to lay down anything. It's not about me. I just want God's best. I don't want to limit the Lord. And so when we're going through these things, you know, like just rewriting those beliefs and getting those lying beliefs out of there, it is a yielding. There's, there's that element of I am yielding to yes. what you say. And with that comes grace. So the moment you, in your heart you are committed to just be yielded, there is going to be this grace. He gives grace to the humble. Very good. So he, you, there's going to be this grace to walk that out. Whereas like when you're standing on, the, okay, on this side, this is the issue at hand. On this side is the freedom that God has already provided for you that you need to walk in. Mm-hmm. But standing on this side of it, All you see is this. This is going to be hard. This is going to be torturous. This is going to be horrific. This is going to be whatever. But if you'll just make the commitment on this side to go, no, it doesn't have to be. I'll yield. 
I, if, if the Lord says X, I say X. Yeah. If the Lord says Y, I say Y. If he says Z, I say Z. If you make the commitment here to yield, there is this grace to just do that. Yeah. Right? Well, very good. Second, you led right to the point next, which is good. Well, look at us. So, but go to, go to Proverbs 16, 3. I want you to see this because what you just described is there Proverbs 16, 3. So here again, Solomon and Wisdom said in Proverbs 16, 3. What's up? She's going to get some water for the kid. Oh. I know. Well, you have to, part of my daughters are going to have to rewire their thinking because this is a great example of how I messed them up. We used to play all my sermons when they would go to bed. Yes, absolutely. So, so I'm preaching and their core belief system is when daddy preaches, it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> And that's just their core belief. So I, that's why that's why I don't pick. A, that's why if you know I don't pick on them because I did that. That was a bad. <laughs> I wired them. We're trying to get the word in them. It's all subconscious. I'm Well, and I use that at tongue in cheek, but it truly is a living example of what we're talking about. Is I literally built within them a belief. Oh, when I hear my father speaking and teaching, at I'm at peace and I go to bed. It's funny because when I try to read, I did the same thing. Yeah. I guess my parents probably read books to me when I was going to sleep. That's time to go to sleep. That's time to go to sleep. <laughs> so that it's literally, it is it's the mechanics. But I want you to see it as, and, and, and I want you to be free because this is what happens to us. Is these things happen and we beat ourselves up. Right. These things happen, whatever that is, these things come about, and we go, oh, I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Or, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. Or, oh, I shouldn't act that way. Or, oh, I shouldn't. And we beat ourselves up instead of just understanding, oh, I have literally just, this is just the training of my core belief system. And I want you to remember this, the way I got into my stuff it's the same way I get out of my stuff. Does that make sense? No. It doesn't make so so the same so the same way you trained yourself, Kurt, to fall asleep by reading mm-hmm. is if you'll change what you think about reading, if you'll change some of the setting of where you read, you can rewire yourself. Okay. Right? Because a lot of it is, is habit uh, again. Don't let me forget that we're in Proverbs 16, 3, because it's come back to the desire, but it's the bio, explain the biology of things, especially, and, and this is where I want us to focus on, especially in the area of our emotions. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, fall asleep when I'm reading, fall asleep when my dad speaks is okay, as annoying as that might be, because I want to read and I want to stay awake and all that kind of stuff. Those are trivial in comparison to... I'm always depressed. I'm always angry. I'm always anxious. anxious. I'm always sad. I'm always jealous. I'm always whatever. Yeah. Right? In, in small comparison, right? But it's the same mechanics. So I'm going to use the, the mechanics of emotion to help you understand how God lovingly made you. See, your physical body, this, this suit... It just is set to a default assumption 
It just assumes you understand you have complete dominion and authority over your life. Right. That is its permanent default place where God set the thermostat on the inside of this, this machine. It just says, oh, I just know that I'm in charge. Does that make sense? Can I just say, scientifically, mm-hmm. scientifically, your cells are programmed to listen to, to the, your, voice. your voice. More than and anybody else. They're programmed to listen to your voice and obey. So right. if you say, I'm tired, then you're, you're, your cells literally go, hey guys, you hear that? We're, We're supposed tired. to be tired. <laughs> <laughs> if you go, good morning, sunshine, your cells all go, hey guys. Listen to that. We're supposed to be up and going. Come on, come on. Like, that's literally it, what happens. It's truly. That's how we were programmed. So, well, here's well, scientifically, it's truly what they understand. Your body re- resonates to the sound of your voice, it believes your voice above all others. Yeah. And it obeys your voice, even if it's contrary to God's voice. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Wow. That your voice can be more powerful and you can literally have God speaking audibly to you and your body will listen to what you say about that before it listens to what God says about that. Does that make sense? So, but at your cell level, for example, so here in the middle part, in the middle part of your brain and what we call the subconscious, in the subconscious is where all the feeling juices get mixed. Every feeling from happy, positive feelings to sad, depressed, angry feelings, whatever the feelings are, they, your middle part of your brain makes a cocktail of chemicals mm-hmm. that is connected to that feeling. Now, remember, your body just assumes you want to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So when you think repeatedly in a certain way, your emotions always follow your thinking. Mm-hmm. Never the other way around. Always. That's the way you were made. Does that make sense? If I feel a certain way, and anybody ever said this, why do I feel that way? Anybody ever said that before besides me? Why why am I feeling? And it's like this mystery. Why am I? I don't know. Why am I feeling? (laughs) Why am I feeling this way? And the answer is, is, oh, I must be thinking about something that's connected to this feeling. Yeah. Whether it's back to that old memory, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's, but if you will stop and go, what am I thinking right now in the middle of this feeling? Yeah. You can instantly see, oh yeah, that thought is connected to that feeling because this thought is driving the juice that creates this feeling. Yeah. So literally your cells, if you, if, again, if you could look at your cells under a microscope, they know that on the outside of your cell, There are ports, there are receptors for these juices. Mm -hmm. So when you feel, and we'll pick one, when you feel sad, Mm -hmm. then your cells, that juice washes over your cells and hits those connecting points that help you feel sad. Mm -hmm. Because your body just thinks we must want to feel sad. Mm -hmm. Because we're thinking sad stuff. Mm -hmm. Right? We're dwelling and our mind is staying on sad stuff, so we must want to feel sad. Brain, subconscious, cook up some sad juice. It washes down over your body. It washes over your cells. It attaches to those receptors of sadness and you feel sad. Right? Well, if you stay there, 
If you stay in that place, then your body says, well, we really must want to feel this way. So every, I think it's 21 days, your cells multiply. Mm -hmm. So the next time your cells multiply, they multiply with more sad receptors. Mm -hmm. Because we just assume we want to feel this way. Does that make sense? And so the more you think that way and the more that juice washes over it, it, now you feel even more sad. And then if you stay there for another 21 days and your cells split and multiply again, they make even more sad receptors. Till have you ever noticed somebody and you can see that person or you know you say that person has a habit of feeling. Yeah. They're just always sad. They're just always mad. Stressed. They're just always stressed. Yeah. They're just always anxious. There's just always, well, it's literally because you did exactly what, you didn't guard your heart or the seat of your emotions. And from your heart, your body created the boundaries of your life and said, we are a sad person. And that's why when the doctor gives you an uptake serotonin re-inhibitor, Medicine, like you know, yep. To make you happy, they say, "Oh, this might take three to three to four weeks to kick in." Kick yeah. in. And you believe it. <laughs> well, and your body. So, so what I'm saying is, though, is, but now let's let's do this. Philippians chapter four. You probably heard this one. Paul says, Philippians chapter four, around verse six. He says, "Therefore, be anxious for for nothing." Right now, now is anxious is is that a feeling? Yes. So I want you to just, so therefore, don't feel this way about anything. But with thanksgiving, now is thanksgiving just an action or what is thanksgiving also? It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Because when you are genuinely thankful, don't you feel it? Oh, it shows it everything you It say. does. It, it feel, you feel the gratitude. You feel the yes. thanksgiving. You feel. Yes. So, but in everything with thanksgiving... Now we can say, so don't feel this way about anything, but feel this way. Mm-hmm. Connected to prayer or communication, conversation with the Lord via the Holy Spirit. And it says the peace of God. Now what is that? Is that an emotion? Yes, it's a feeling. That's a good serotonin. That's a, and the good peace of God, <laughs> which all passes all understanding, will guard your what? Oh, man. And your mind. (laughs) Now, I like what one of our Bible school teachers used to say this, right? If you want to experience verse 7, the peace of God guarding your heart and your mind, you've got to be willing to do Mm -hmm. verse 6. Yeah. Which is you've got to be willing to stand back and go, I will not feel this way. Ah. I will choose to feel this way. You just answered another question. Does that make sense? Because again, many people believe that my feelings are just like this big cosmic accident. Mm. Right? Because you just can't help it. Right, Kevin? You just can't help how you feel. Now, what we tell everybody all the time? You just can't help it. Absolutely you can. Because your body just says, it knows. I'm in complete dominion and authority. I am in control of me. So if I'm feeling a certain way, it's because I want to feel that way. It's somehow serving me. It's somehow doing me good, even if it's doing me harm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 
right? So we come back to this kind of stuff and go, okay, so we go, okay, well, I'm not going to feel this way, anxious, worried. And then we're going to read through some lists. And I want you to notice how many of the fruits of the flesh are emotions before their actions. Mm-hmm. Let's even put it like this. Remember what Jesus said, right? Jesus said, when we think Jesus kind of took it way out the ballpark in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he said, well, now you have said to the Pharisees, a man shouldn't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look at her or him and you lust, what is lust? A feeling. It's an emotion. Come on, are y'all with me? And you look at them and you lust on them, it's the same thing as doing it. See, from the kingdom perspective, Jesus said feeling it is the same thing as doing it. And actually to the point now, again, biologically, psychologically, they're proving that point out. That if they can just get people to think and feel a certain way, their body will respond even though they've never done the thing they're thinking and feeling about. Mm -hmm. That they can literally take a person and get them to think down a certain pathway. And as they think down that pathway, even if they've never done the deed, their body will respond like they did the deed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Come on, everybody with yeah. me? Yeah. So there's this thing. So, so again, Paul says, so hey, listen, don't feel this way. Don't feel anxious. Choose to feel thankful. Right. And be thankful. And when you do so, you'll step over into a realm of feeling called peace that guards your heart and your mind. Right? Mm-hmm. And then if you want to maintain living there, Look at verse 8. Therefore, brothers, whatsoever things are... Well, let's go there real quick. Philippians, I want you to just walk through this list with me. Philippians chapter 4. So he says, finally... I love. I forgot about that. Finally, right? So do you all see this pathway? Verse 6, choose how you're going to feel. Choose to not feel one way and choose to feel another way. Right? When you do so, you step into a realm of feeling that's from the kingdom of God. And it keeps and guards your heart and mind. Then he says, finally. Now, what, what does that mean? At the end. Now, this is it. Finally. Mm-hmm. Here we are. <laughs> So we're not feeling anxious. We're feeling thankful. We're living in this place called the peace of God. It's keeping and guarding. Because you ever read that verse in in Proverbs? Guard your heart, Kevin, with all diligence. And you think like I do. How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like like, do you have like this shield up or something? How do I guard my one? And traditionally, and not that this is necessarily incorrect, but traditionally what we normally do is, is we'll turn the TV off. Turn the radio off. Quit listening to that secular music, right? Quit going. Get out. And that stop, might be stop, 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 that stop, might stop, be helpful. Stop, stop, stop. But notice that's not what he said. Right. How do you guard your heart? You make a choice. I'm not going to feel this way. 
Now, yes, if me listening to certain music or watching certain things puts me in an anxious mood, it might do me some good to turn that off. Mm-hmm. But turning off the TV isn't the, anxious, isn't the answer. The answer is I will not go that way. Yes. I will go this way. Yeah. And I will make a choice from my spirit, which I can do, and say we will be thankful. Amen. We will be positive. Mm-hmm. Right, we will be mm-hmm. right on the this side, and we'll look at. It. So he goes here. Philippians, what sorry? Eight four eight. So finally, brothers, whatever things are true. Now, is that also a feeling? How does it feel when when you know someone's telling you the truth? Good. Yes. Think about that, right? Mm-hmm. When you know someone is telling you, and what they're telling you is is absolute truth, no hooks in it. It's for your good. Don't you feel safe? Yes. Yeah. Don't you feel secure? Yes. Don't you feel loved? Are you with me? Yes. So whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, doesn't noble also have a feeling yes. to it? Yes, it does. See, noble, man, Kevin knows it's epic. Yeah. You're the knight on the shining, in shining armor. You're Hero. brave heart. Hero. Right, you're the hero, you're noble, right? You're chivalrous. Those are feelings. Whatever things are just, doesn't that have a feeling? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Doesn't right, it? whatever things are pure. <laughs> so you see that these things, that everything tangible, even though truth is tangible, mm-hmm. truth is also an emotion. Yeah. Even though nobility is tangible, nobility is an emotion. Even though justice is tangible, justice is an Because don't we get the other side, that good positive, in what well, the righteously indignant when there's injustice? Right. When we hear of an injustice was done, there's an, a positive anger that comes for the sake of justice. Right. Do y'all see how this all works? Yes. Right? So here, this is not just a list of what kind of thoughts to think. It's also a list of what feelings I will choose to create by the types of thoughts I will think. Because mm-hmm. yeah, again, I want to get here too. Remember, it, it, Jesus said in John chapter 8, you will know the, the truth, truth and what will happen. The truth will make you free. But we all know that that word know, it's a unique word. It's, it's, um, it's not a... I know it in this cognitive brain, no. It's not even there. It's in your emotions. It's, it's, it's akin to the word. Like you've heard probably many preachers say, it's akin. It's not directly the word. It's akin to the word we would use about knowing your wife in intimacy. Well, how many of you know that that is an emotional action? Mm-hmm. Or at least it should be. Yes. Right? If it's not... We've got some rewiring to do. Jokingly, I say you're doing it wrong, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, but um, but it should be the most positive, life-giving emotional experience we have on the planet. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so Jesus is saying, "Hey, listen, it's it's about feeling truth, getting to the place where you know truth, and where truth moves you." Does that make sense? So when I'm rewiring my brain, 
I'm not just trying to memorize it so I can spit it out and go, well, I know that verse. Mm. I can quote that verse. I can even tell you the address. You know, it's John 3.16. Right, I can... No, those things are not wrong. But when truth gets to the point where truth can make you free, it's the truth you have meditated on, you have looked into, you have studied till it has moved you. See, you want to know why I think now more why the word doesn't work in so many people's lives? Is they don't feel it. Uh-uh. The word, they have not looked into the word, studied the word, meditated on the word, through their imagination, put themselves into the word to a degree to where a verse moves them. Mm-hmm. Instead of just keep going back to that. Uh, Emotions that lead them back to their core values to make them feel safe. Yes. They go back to the... Instead of believing in the Word to get them to where they really want to be, which is peace, joy, happiness. Well, to move you to the place where you... Kurt, where it's this... Because remember... Again, remember that everything from the kingdom is likened unto relationship. Right? Would we agree? Again, I'm going to do a good churchified word with you, right? All right? So it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. Y'all heard that before. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And part of what we mean by that is it not that when we were in whatever religion we may not have been in, we didn't feel anything. Mm. Yeah. It was rote. It was was mechanical. It was meaningless. It was feelingless. It was just empty. Not life-giving. That's why now do you wonder why Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, You look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones, lifeless, emotionless, feelingless things. Mm. But Jesus kept trying to point us back to this relationship. Well, we know that in anything in here, our relationships even with each other, are they feelingless? Come on, y'all help me out no, now. No, not at all. Do you, do you have some relationships that are feelingless? Yes. How often do you hang out with those people? How, <laughs> right? Uh, how, 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 much, how much influence does that person have on your life that there is no real feeling? Like, less, if not zero, I mean, you're like, oh, yay. You know, I mean, and you're there and, you know, and you're, but listen. Remember that that the word is a person. Yes. Mm. So I, I, I want to point us, that's another one of those mind renewal things we have to do, that even though we hold it in book form or in digital book form, the scripture says the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us. Right. That Amen. the word of God is living and powerful, but I want you to, this word is an expression of the person who is the word. Mm-hmm. So just like, and as we're talking about, that's why so many believers, you want to have a relationship. And I know, please don't get all weird on me, what I'm about to say, okay? You want to have a relationship with your Bible. Come on. And I don't just mean you get up and you read it every day. Yeah. You want to have a feeling relationship with the living Word of God. 
that's here. Because when it becomes alive like that, it will have great influence on your life. It will move you. That's why all of these words that Paul used and Peter used in their letters when Peter says, desire the word that you would grow thereby. Now, he was a little bit more PG in that he used a baby analogy. Desire the sincere milk of the word. But the same word desire is the word for sexual desire. It's that same. So it's not just I want. It's it's the feeling. And that's the part, guys, I think that we have disconnected the church from. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's why the word isn't alive because so many people, they read it, but they're not reading it like they're having a relationship with it and letting it move their heart because God knew how he made us and he knew that beliefs are wired on emotion. Yeah, I was never taught that. No emotion. It's just this is what you have to do. Yes. sort of thing. This is... This is the rules. This yes. This the way you're supposed to live. And, and, and so let me paint a picture. So, Kurt, then there are many people, and I'm just using so we do not have this. This is just me using it as an example. But there are many people over 20-something years of pastoral ministry, we have seen those people, that they have that in their marriage. And that's why they don't have a marriage. They have a piece of paper that says they are joined together. But they have zero emotional connection with each other. So they do not have a relationship, even though they got a document that says they're married. And if they got split up, we would divide houses and cars and bank accounts and we would do all this legal stuff. But that's why so many people, when they finally get a divorce, they were divorced decades before they actually pulled the trigger. They just kind of hung on. Right? Does that make sense? So even on that, but I want you to see that, but how do I know I'm, I'm renewing my mind? How do I know I'm, quote unquote, being successful at it? Is when it's moving me. Yeah. Have I gotten to the place where that part of the word is moving me? That's the most satisfying. It is. Well, that's the part. Well, here's the thing. We've, we've used this and flipped this around. See, it's when that becomes, it moves me, that it becomes... And, and, and I love what Brother Steve said, and he's absolutely right. But for sake of Christian argument and Christianese, because uh, the word rhema and logos are used literally equally 50-50. That's cool. <laughs> it's absolutely the same word. They're synonyms of each other. So you can go either way. Rhema means both spoken and written, and logos means both spoken and written. It's, the, it's a synonym, right, with each other, interchangeable. But it is still true what the sentiment was in Galatians when Paul said that part of, and I'm going to use these words, that part of the word of God that I have relationship with. That's a really great way of putting it. That's the sword of the spirit that will vanquish the darts of the enemy. The part of the word that I have relationship with, the part of the word that has moved me, I will wield it like a sword to defeat the enemy. Yes. 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 Does that make sense? Right? So that's what I want us to say. How do I know I'm going? I'm going to stay in the Word. And, and, and I'm going to go 
And how am I doing? And I want to give you time to talk. Okay, good. So I got to. So go to. I'm going to John. We just read it. Oh, we just quoted it. We didn't read it. I'm going to go to John chapter 8. These words we just read from Jesus. Verses 31 and 32. So verse 31. This is what it says. And Jesus said to the Jews who believed. Now notice this. So he's speaking to a group of people who what? Who believe. Right? He says, if you abide. What does that word abide mean? Live. But now listen to me. This is different. How many of you know? I'm going to do this. How many of you know people? And I say it like this. They, they sleep at their house, but they don't live there. You know what I'm talking about? Because they drive to work every day, 50, 60, 70 miles in one direction. They eat near where they work. They shop near where they work. They engage with people. Now, they got a house, again, 80 miles in another direction. And they sleep there, but they don't abide there. Yeah. See, the word abide is different than we throw it out there. It means to live. Well, if we're not careful, we miss the power of that word abide. So Selena and I was, the other day somebody asked me that. Uh, we were at the, I was at Bailey's and it was Miss April. And she goes, so Brad, you know, of all these places you've lived, which one did you like the most? And I've been asked that question mm-hmm. numerous times. Numerous and times. I literally struggle every time because I'm like, well, all of them. Well, do you like any of them better than Alabama? No. Well, do you like Alabama better than any of the other ones? No. Because, and I didn't realize this until I was studying, it's because we learned to abide where we lived. So we actually lived there, which meant we, we felt it. Mm-hmm. We lived there. We engaged. We allowed ourselves to dwell in that place, right? With all the feels of the place. It's like embrace, but like this. I mean, I I, I feel the passion, the warmth, the relationship, the family of Latin America. Because we Mm -hmm. lived there. The history and the culture that goes back two, three hundred years. Mm-hmm. Right, and you and again. I remember standing in the Socolo, and you can in the middle of Mexico City. And if you stand in the middle of Mexico City, there's a cathedral that they built in 1532. Right next to it, when they were digging the parking lot for all the tourists, they discovered an Aztec pyramid. Right there, turn to the left, and right here is white marble Italian buildings built in 1910. Right, and there's all this depth, and you feel. Does that make sense? So you feel it and you live there, right? We went to Canada and I know what you stand in the coastal mountains and you look and the mountains meet the sea and the rivers run down and salmon run up in the millions. And there's all this stuff. that's like you watch on the nature channel, right? I mean, it goes on and, and the people, again, the people are colder, but once you get past the cold veneer, they're more loyal than a, than a Labrador retriever, man. Those people are with you, and they're rowing with you, and they'll be with you to death. I mean, those are some true ride-or-die people yep. once you get in with them, right? Yep. And they are in your boat forever to the point where they don't even say, who's your friends? Their phrase is, who do you live life with? Yeah. 
That's how they say it. So who to tell me who you live life with. Mm-hmm. And so there's an abide. But then I've been here with you guys. Mm-hmm. And the warmth of Southern hospitality and the history and tradition that we have here, both of the outdoors and of even of Christian culture and all the stuff. So does that make sense? Yes. So you abide. And that's what Jesus, that's the word he's saying. If you will live... But that's been a choice. It's been a choice. I was just going to say all of that has been a choice because, and the longer you stay in a place, the, the more you, intentional your choice needs to be to keep exploring and abiding in that place. Yeah. Because you get comfortable with your little five mile radius and you're good. Once it's comfortable, you're good. No, you have to keep expanding and digging deeper into things, right? But I, and, but I think that's why Jesus used that word, if. Yeah, if. If you will live in the word, but live in it like you live till you feel it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. See, it's a different level of, of, yeah, I read my Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm listening to some good messages. Yeah, I'm listening to that Pastor Brad guy. He's all right every now and then when he'll, when he'll talk shorter. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? This, but here's just, if you abide... If you live to the point of feeling in my word, then you'll actually be my disciples. Right? And, notice the conjunction, you will then know truth and truth will make you free. Do you see this? So even when we talk about what we're talking about, how do I renew my mind is it's, is it yes? Do I mean spend time in the Word? Well, sure, but live there. And I want in your imagination to go: Am I living in the Word of God? Meaning, I'm going to abide here. I'm going to live here till it moves me. I'm going to live here until there. That that Word that's coming it shifts my feelings. It shifts my feelings about God. It shifts my feelings about myself. Mm-hmm. It shifts my feelings about others. Right? Does that make sense? Yes. And there's this. I, I was looking, you know, we were talking about joy, and, and I'm going to land here. Um, and it's in Psalms. Tell me, where was that verse? Holy Ghost, Psalms 45. If I'm not hearing wrong. Um, Psalms 45. Yeah, verse 7. This is repeated in Hebrews chapter 1, I believe. I'm going to back up to verse 6. Here, the the psalmist, right, is, is saying, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now notice this. You love righteousness. Now, what is that? Is that an action or a feeling? Feeling. That's a feeling that leads you to action. Right now here in Hebrews, the Hebrews writer is actually talking about this in connection to Jesus, the person. He said, but notice this, you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Now, to be real clear, are we saying that we hate the wicked? No, no, no. But we hate. Yeah. Now listen to those. How extreme are those feelings? Opposite, polar opposite. But are they to the to the extent of each side? How how loving is loving? 
That is like the highest positive emotion. Yeah. Is is loving. How how strong is hating on the negative scale? Hating is all hating is so they're they are like you can't get any more positive emotion and you can't get even more negative emotion. And here it says that Jesus loved righteousness and he hated wickedness. And because of that, it says, it's therefore your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Nothing. <laughs> Above your brethren. So do you see this? Look at how much of them. So the, even when we say, man, I, that we, am I at a place that I have to ask me, man, that I love righteousness. Right? That, that there's an emotion, a powerful emotion. Man, I love right. I love that which is right. I love righteousness. And man, I hate wickedness. wickedness. Right, mm-hmm. and you know, Caleb. That's why you and I were talking about movies. Why I want to be even more cautious, right? Is because I want I don't want to get to a place where you're desensitized. Where I'm des- I kind of put up with wickedness. Mm-hmm. Right. I have this neutral emotion. Mm-hmm. Right, but there should be within me this emotion that says, "Man, wickedness should make me righteously indignant." Right. Right. When wickedness happens, not that I hate the wicked, but I hate wickedness that destroys men's lives, that destroys men's families, that destroys <laughs> nations, that destroys people. Does that make sense? But I love, but do you hear, feel that? Mm-hmm. Man, that's, how do I know I've renewed my mind when I feel it? Mm-hmm. When it has moved me. If, it, if it's still just, eh, yeah, I know that. Man, I'm probably not renewed in that area yet. <laughs> I probably still need to read some more on that. Yeah, I've heard that before. Good message, Brad. Can we go home now? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we're moved, mm-hmm. right, it's, that's how we rewire this back part of our brain. Yeah. When it moves us, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Hallelujah. So, so... So here with this, I'm going to leave you. So anybody do their um, I am statements? I talked about at the end of last week. Good. Keep starting. Start your I am. I want you to build your I am. And what I mean by your I am statements is it's what do, does Jesus, what does God your Father say you are? And then are you willing to say that? But get your place to the place where when you say that, it's, it's truly backed by genuine emotion. Man, I am. And this, I've told you that before. For me, I know this. I want to, and I just, my best example, I know that I am sin free. I know that sin had, no longer has any dominion over me whatsoever at all, period, not at all. Uh-huh. Right? And even, does that mean I'm never tempted? Nope. But when temptation comes, you know what's louder than the temptation? I am free free from that. Mm -hmm. And I would have to deny my I am statement to engage with it. And I so feel how free that I am that even if my my mind wants to play with the idea of, well, it's okay, Brad, Jesus is already taking just something in here goes, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, you free. 
does that make and there's that there but there's feeling in it see i want to get that way about sickness i really want to get that way about lack and just barely getting by because all those things are tied together right but that's what i'm saying so i want you to to be developing an i am list but i want it to be a list that moves you when you read in those scriptures and it's gonna and 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 right now it might move you in two directions you might read it and go yeah that's me and you might read it and go i don't know about that (laughs) i don't know about that you know maybe if it's a real super spiritual day i'm that every now and then right that may that should let you know but if i can see it here then I want to get to a place where I'm bold to say it here. Amen. Does that make sense? Because as I shift that and I say it here, then you understand that that lying belief is the lying fig tree you're cursing. I will not eat of that belief ever again. No man shall eat of that belief that's in my belief system anymore forever. I curse it because I am what he says this is over here. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now, I want you to probably, in, in, in last little exercise, I'm going to give us each week, I'm going to give us some exercises to do. One is do this I am statement. And the next one, we're going to do a little bit of, a, of an imagination exercise here. And then I do want to kick the floor open for any questions for a little bit of time. So in Proverbs, y'all probably heard this one, Proverbs 23. And this, uh, this Bible does it. I, I had to write it down over here. Let me find my little note. Because this Bible is not marked like my other one was. Sophia's got, mm. Sophia's got the better Bible. He's taking it with her. Psalms 23, 7. Y'all probably heard this before. Let's go back to verse 6. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. Now, what's a miser? Stingy. Stingy. Tell me the most epitomized name that's attached to being a miser. Scrooge. Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. Right? Everybody picture Ebenezer Scrooge? Yes. So he's a miser, right? Now notice 4 verse 7, and this is probably the verse you're familiar with. For as he thinks in his heart. So is he. As who thinks in his heart? The miser. So what made the miser... The miser. A choice. Thinking in his heart. What he thought about himself. Was it his actual stinginess that made him a miser? Uh-uh. Was it his greediness that, like Ebenezer Scrooge, made him a miser? Mm-mm. What made Scrooge Scrooge? What he thought about his soul. Because that controls all the actions. So here's my question for us tonight. What kind of soul do you want to have? Mm-hmm. And, not, and that's not for you to answer out loud right now. But I want you to write that down. And I want you to think, what kind of soul do I want to possess? As a man thinks in his heart. And again, that word heart is that same word. In my core belief, as a man thinks about himself in his soul, in his heart brain, so is he. 
Amen. As a man. Amen. Fa- amen. <laughs> Get out, foul demon. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> right? So, as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he is. So, let me ask it this way, and I don't, because I don't want to, I want to be real cautious on this, even though at times I'll use a negative example. I don't want us to dwell on the negative, right? But, but for sake of this conversation, so what if I may pick, say, pick the most negative thing you know about me? From my soul. Uh, you leave your socks out. I leave my socks out. That's that's pretty that's pretty tame. Let's get. Uh, <laughs> huh? What? Thank you, thank you for being on. So I do. I, I I at times things happen and I can have an outburst of wrath. Would y'all agree with that? Unfortunately, my children. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, bro, I never planned something and this is all falling apart. Why? I normally don't care about this. But, well, here's so you're right. So, so let's say for that. So where did that begin? Did it begin in my action? No. No. Where did it begin? Thoughts. How do we know that? As a man thinks in his heart. Because that's what the Bible says. So at the same time, even though I can look out and I can go, okay, if I can ID something, I don't want us to beat ourselves up. Mm-hmm. No condemnation. No condemnation. Understand mechanics. Oh, if this is what's going on out here, then what am I thinking about me in here? Because that action, just like the miser's action didn't come, he didn't become a miser when he got stingy. He became a miser when he thought what he thought in his heart about himself. That made him the miser. His actions just followed his heart. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So we want to. So that's why I want to say when you do this, I want you to pause and go. What kind of soul do you want? What is the soul you want to define? Now remember, I'm not talking about your spirit. Your spirit looks just like Jesus. Yes. I'm talking about your soul. What is the soul you want to possess? Right? Again, here's an example from the word. It says the strong spirit or soul of a man sustains him in the day of his physical adversity. Yes. So what makes, how many of you know some old people and they're, they're just tough? We might say, and I don't mean this, dish, but they're just tough old birds, right? I mean, you ever heard those phrases before? They're just a, a tough old bird. I'm not pointing at nobody, Miss Teresa. <laughs> and so, that's right. But, but what, so what made that wonderful saint, that senior saint, what made them tough? Was it their toughness? Their mental toughness. It was their toughness of soul or mind. Does that make sense? Right. Some of it is you had no choice, but, but in one sense, because you had no choice, you created a heart boundary, right, that was positive. So I want you to think about that too, because again, the, the boundaries, the frontiers, the borders of your life... The borders of your life are not defined by your actions. No. 
the borders of your life, the territory of your life was defined by what you thought about God and yourself in your heart. Yes, so now, Is question. It, uh, what you would say, hard-heartedness mm-hmm. there, where you would find hard-heartedness would be in the soul. Yes. Talking about the heart brain. Yes, and that's what we were talking about before you came in, Ms. Lynette. We were talking about unbelief is a hardness of heart, or I would say it like this, an unwillingness to believe. Okay. Right? And, 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 and when we didn't get there, so back to Proverbs 16, 3. Let me, let me read that. I meant to get through there tonight. Oh, I'm still recording. Okay. Sorry. So in, in uh, 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 Moses and Pharaoh, in the Bible, when it says... God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It does not mean that God hardened his heart. It just means Pharaoh had an unwillingness to believe that, that it was God speaking that they were the children of Israel. You know what I'm saying? I do. What? 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 what, what yes. To help you with that, because in, in Romans is one of those big things about predestination from some of our other church brethren. Is this? So when you read the story of Moses and Pharaoh. Right. Three times before God, before it's ever said that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it was said of Moses three times in a row. And so Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. Pharaoh hardened his heart against God three times. And then God says, okay, I'll go along with what you believe. So if, you, if you're going to harden your heart towards me, I'll back up your belief system. And I'll lock up your heart. If you think I'm not going to do what I told you I was going to do. Whatever. Yeah, but so, but. I, that, I just made the connection there. Yes, exactly. So Pharaoh three times. Read back over the story of Pharaoh and you'll read three times before it was said in the word and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It said, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. Right. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. Right. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then God finally had to ratify the belief system of Pharaoh. Yeah, because he doesn't right. Because do he doesn't, right? Well, even Paul later talks about that. We didn't get to it tonight. Paul said, he said, you can sear your conscience, yes. right? He said we were reading it in Ephesians 4, and we didn't get to that verse. It said all those who were the Gentiles, and they had hardened their heart, and their uh, understanding was darkened. It said, and they were past feeling. Wow. They were beyond that feeling of faith. They were past feeling, right? And their consciences, if you put it together, their consciences, they seared it with a hot iron. So there was no feeling of the heart about this. There was no feeling and moving of the heart. So I would call hardness of heart, Miss Lynette, it's a hardness of belief. But what I mean by that is an unwillingness to believe. That's why, again, whenever you look in connection, God consistently told the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked, stubborn people. And the phrase used for stiff-necked was that classic example of the San Francisco 49er who had his mule or his donkey, and the donkey's yeah. locked up, yeah. and the guy's trying to drag the donkey along, and the donkey is just planted firm. That's the word in the Hebrew language for stiff-necked. It's not just 
It's not a I don't know. It's a not a I'm unsure. It's a I know what the truth is. I know and I will not believe any different. I will believe the way I want to believe. And does that make sense? And in our church world and religion, so many people, that's their problem. So what about mm-hmm. the scripture in Revelation that talks about Jesus keeping people out of his mouth? Talking about people that are lukewarm. Where does that fly in what you're talking about in belief system? Okay, well, so it's kind of, so it's a little bit different because here's a little bit of fun geography that helps you understand. So the, the two churches, uh, there were three churches there, and two they were talking about geographically and geologically, and I don't remember the names of the towns, but one town that Paul mentioned was had healing hot springs. Right. And another town had healing cold springs. Okay. And they, it was a resort triangle. And the two rivers flowed out of the towns, one piping hot and one ice cold. Both were for healing. In the town that Jesus talked about, the two rivers merged and they canceled out the benefit of the healing properties of the two things. They became lukewarm. They couldn't, hit, they couldn't fix anybody. So this one is not so much, because uh, we've always heard that as is. Mm-mm. No, he, Jesus was liking it. He said, hey, listen, I'd rather you be useful than do nothing. But if you sit on your duff and do nothing, if you're lukewarm, meaning you're in neutral and I'm just going to sit here and wait till Jesus comes back. I'm not going to do nothing with what he's given me. I'm not going to be hot and be useful, nor am I going to be cold and be useful. I'm just going to be lukewarm, which you can't do nothing with. Then Jesus says, he's actually saying, useless people, purposeless people, I spit out of my mouth. Not unbelieving people. Wow. I always thought that it was like, I would rather you be on that's what everybody always preaches. But you have to look at that's where a little bit of Bible interpretation, understanding that this was an Eastern book yeah. written to Eastern people. And there are, just like we would talk about Alabama and Auburn and sometimes do, and we all get what we're saying. Right. And people from Canada listen to me talk about Alabama and Auburn and they have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I think Brad meant... Did. And they talked to me, hey, I heard your message, and you use this as an example. I'm sorry, that was a way southern example. This is what I meant. And I give them a northern example, and they go, oh, I got it. <laughs> oh, I got it. So he was using an example to the people who would have understood, oh, here's the hot springs that bring healing. Here's the cold springs that bring healing. But down here at this town where they mix, they're good for nothing. They're useless. And so he's actually talking about don't be useless. Be what I made you to be. If you're a hot spring, be a hot spring. If you're a cold spring, be a cold spring. Be what I made you to be. But if you mix up yourself and become useless, I got to spit you out of my mouth because I can't use you. Wow. Right? And so that's more of a difference. But back to what we're saying is more that idea of like, again, the Pharisees. Right. The Pharisees literally, because I'll try to use this because I know we're recording. Um, there's, there's a current situation I'm walking through and I got people asking me a question and they say, well, Brad, surely 
If somebody is in the presence of God, just being in the presence of God will change them. And I had to look at him and say, I'm sorry, it, it won't. I agree with what I think you mean. Sure, any sane person, any rational person who feels the presence of God would be moved. But people literally stood in the presence of Jesus and to his face denied that he was God. That is real. So unbelief, to have actual unbelief, you have to have heard clearly, understood fully, and said, yeah, no, I'm not believing that. I'm going to stick with my tradition. I'm going to stick with what I've always gone with. There's a lot of the church world, they just don't know. Their thing is, is it's, it's, it's unbelief by accident because they just don't know. There's very few people that are practicing actual unbelief where I've heard truth, I have understood truth, and I now deny truth. That's unbelief. Right? That, that's what makes even the cross of Christ of no effect. Right? Does that make sense? And, and that's what we're... So what we're talking about here is, is that then, and our challenge is, is because guys, listen to me again. Please, I try to have always give you the warnings that I feel are needed. As you walk through this and you're genuine and you say, all right, Lord, I want to get these lying beliefs out of my heart. Sometimes you may not realize how long you've had that belief. And it may really seriously cause some turmoil because you may be standing there going, but we've always believed this way. (laughs) (laughs) My my great, great, whoever believed this way, I was taught this as a child this has been, and, and the, probably the most dangerous of all of them is the ones that we've somehow dunked in certain passages of Scripture, even if it's incorrect, and we think it's a spiritual benefit, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Those kind of things, and I just, I just want to warn you to say, be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to, and you show me here, and what you say about me, I, I'm going with it. And if I don't fully buy in, then Holy Spirit, I want to buy in. Please keep showing me. Please keep convincing me. I'll stay with it till I feel it. I'll stay with it till it moves my heart. I'll stay there. I'm not going to just go, ah, them Pentecostals. Or, ah, them Baptists. Or, ah, them whoever. Does that make sense? Here, and I'll, and I'll land the plane on this one. This, and, let's, and we'll see if there's any other questions. Proverbs 16.3. You said this earlier, said so I didn't get to it. I want to get to it when you use your analogy of the notebook. It says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So part of this is we're talking about what is this, what are some things we can quote unquote do, actionable items is I'm going to make a commitment. Lord, I'm committed to rewiring my belief system. I'm committed to everywhere, all in my heart. Lord, I I just want to believe like you believe. Mm -hmm. And especially, and I want to believe like you believe about me. And I think that's probably, again, some of the biggest challenges is when God looks at you and he begins to tell you things about you 
that you may not, you may go, yeah, 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 Kurt's that God. I know Kurt's that. And, and he's going, no, 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 I'm, I'm talking to you. <laughs> You're this. Well, I don't know. I've never thought about that before. I've never seen anybody. No one my family has been. No one I ever went to church with. Does that make sense? But to sit back and say, but Lord, I just want to believe. So I'm going to commit my work. I'm going to put down whatever lying belief may be present. I'm going to commit my way. And I love the promise. And when I commit my way, I commit my work. Then he starts to establish my thoughts. He'll begin to establish. Okay, now think this way. Think this way. Think this way about me. Think this way about yourself. Think this way. Does that make sense? Think yes. this way about this. Think this way. Think this way. And it's good news. And it's going to be that. And then our commitment is, okay, God, and if you show me, and again, you show me from here, right? And I'm going to have a relationship with the Word, and I see it here. I'm going to be like, man, that's, that's me. Whether right now, today, if I read something, I'm like, ooh, ooh. I see. It's clear inside. It's all good. Does that make sense?